Hello and welcome to Find Your Fire with John V. Denley. Hello, hello, hello. It's John Denley here with episode 10 of the Find Your Fire podcast. Um, hopefully this is going to be a relatively short one. Um, and I'm sorry for having missed a couple of weeks again. Uh, I'm sure I'll get better eventually. And as from next week, we've got the first of my 15 pillars. So we've got uh, pillar number one, which is understanding the voices inside your head. Um, so they'll be starting next week uh, on episode 11. And then we'll be running those for uh, all the way through to episode, I guess, 25. It'll probably be. Um, also, um, I've decided I'm going to start lining up some interviews with um, well-known people who have struggled with anxiety and depression. So if you know anybody uh, or you have anybody you want to be uh, interviewed um, by me on this podcast, uh, let me know and I'll see what I can do. Um, join the group. You can join the group on Facebook, which is uh, findyourfire.co.uk forward slash podcast um, or find your fire. Sorry, that's not actually the podcast group. That's what it should be. Sorry. <laughs> uh, findyourfire.co.uk co.uk forward slash facebook group um, will also work for that as well it takes you to the same place and the same group and uh, feel free to post stuff in there to uh, suggest stuff um, so this episode today is actually um, been prompted by a video i saw this morning from a guy called jesse elder i think his name is um, on facebook um, big guy with a big beard american guy he does a lot of sort of philosophy stuff and um uh, sorry, I've just. I'm out in the woods where I normally am, and I can hear a woodpecker in the trees behind me. So I just thought I'd stop and just appreciate that for a moment. Um, which, of course, is one of my things: is enjoying and appreciating nature. Um, anyway, so uh, yes, so Jesse Elder did this video, and he said uh, time is an illusion, and I just thought, hmm, that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective. And I watched the video, and about halfway through, I just thought, yeah, this is nonsense. Um, and uh, he, I don't know what he was, I don't know what he was trying to do with it, uh, but I understand the concept he was trying to get across. I just think he explained it in a not particularly useful way. Um, so, um, so yeah, anyway, so I, but then he said something in the middle and I thought, you know what, that concept in the middle that you mentioned actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I replied back to him on the post on Facebook and I realized that as I was writing it down, it made a lot more sense than I even I thought. And, uh, and I love to bring that in. And weirdly, it's all about memories. So we've spoken on this podcast in the past a couple of times about memories and about how flexible and fluid they are. Um, uh, in fact, I think I did one on how reliable are your memories. Um, and actually, as a side note, before I get into the, um, the picture that Jesse picture um, uh, made me recognize, I suppose, that's probably the best way of putting that. Um, I saw a couple of videos on YouTube just recently. Um, one was called uh, How Reliable Are Memories? And I'll post these, of course, in the show notes, as I normally would, um, by a lady. I can't remember her name off the top of my head because I wasn't planning on talking to her, talking about her in this um, podcast. But uh, it turns out that she's the lady who did the study about the cars crashing that we talked about several episodes of the podcast away ago. And I've never been able to find out who actually did that study. And so it's really nice to have finally found out who did it. And uh, I need to look up some more details about that study, I guess. But that's the one where you 
um, interview a whole bunch of people, you show them photographs of a car crash, and you ask them how fast they thought the cars were, gonna, were going when they hit each other, and you ask a different set of people how fast they thought the cars were going when they, hit, when they smashed into each other, and the people who used the word hit with um, predicted a speed that was lower than the people you said smash with. So when you heard the word smash, people thought the cars would have been going faster. When you said hit, they'd been, sl been going slower. Um, and then a week later, they asked them back in to interview them again. And this time they said, remember those photographs we showed you last week? Did you see any broken glass uh, on the ground at the accidents? And uh, a significant number of the people who they used the word smash did, smash, said, yes, they saw broken glass and almost nobody, when they said hit, said that they saw broken glass. And in actual fact, there was no broken glass in the photographs at all. But the people who had heard the word smashed had interpreted that there was glass, and so therefore they kind of inserted it into their own memories. Um, so it's a very interesting um, study that they did uh, on, that, on that concept. Um, anyway, so that then led me down a, a kind of rabbit, a YouTube rabbit hole, as it, as it will, as these things often do, um, to a lady called, I think her name was Eleanor, um, she's an Irish neuropsychologist or neuros, uh, neuroscientist um, who did a Royal Institution. And if you're not listening from the UK, Royal Institution is a UK based thing where they do these talks on a fairly regular basis. They used to do them every Christmas. I'm not sure if they still do. Um, specifically, the ones that the Christmas were always designed for children. Um, and uh, so this is like an hour and a half lecture from uh, Eleanor. And she did some really, really cool stuff. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, well worth watching if you're into any of this kind of stuff. And if you're listening to my podcast, you almost certainly are. Um, and the interesting thing about that is I found out that Eleanor actually is a professor at, or, uh, well, studies at uh, University College of London. I'm not sure if she is a professor. Um, but I think a, a while back, I also spoke, spoke about a guy called um, Professor Timothy Bliss, who is a professor of brain biology at, at UCL. Um, and so I sent an email to both of those two guys uh, at the same time, and Tim actually replied back and uh, said that he was off on a speaking tour in Korea and that he would be back in a couple of weeks' time and uh, that he'd love to go out to lunch with me. So I'm looking forward to having lunch with uh, Professor Timothy Bliss and talking about brain biology. So maybe I'll interview him on the podcast. Uh, he might be my first interview. Who knows? Um, it'd be quite interesting. And, uh, and obviously I'm hoping to get hold of uh, Eleanor as well so I can have a chat with her. I hope that's her name. If it's not, I apologise to... Uh, the lady in question and I'll put the correct name into the show notes when I get home and edit those of course. Um, so in the meantime um, I thought I'd just do a, a quick uh, kind of summary of the Jesse Elder uh, concept. It's not really his concept, I, I've kind of expanded on it really um, as, as to how we use our memories and how uh, in, in a way he's right in that time is just an illusion. Now obviously uh, we could have, I could have debates with him for some time about whether time actually really does exist and whether we do move through time and whether things that happened in the past actually did happen in the past and whether things in the future are going to happen in the future. Um, he was suggesting that there's no such thing as time, that everything happens at once. And I thought, mm, that's, a, that's a bit too much for, certainly for a lot of people to get their heads around, um, even if it is true. Um, and of course, there's a lot of these things we just couldn't possibly prove anyway, so it's kind of superfluous. But what he did say, which was, um, very much true and it very much fits in with the neuroscience of how our actual brains work uh, as he said at one point he said it's like you're in a house and you're in the kitchen and you're doing your one thing in the kitchen and everything else that happened ha is happening in other rooms um, and you can go and visit the rooms I'm not sure actually what he said exactly because obviously it's been uh, clouded by my own interpretation of that, that concept but I thought that was a really cool idea because I thought to myself that's actually really clever because if you think of it as you living in a really really big house uh, and every room in the house is 
one of your memories or a part of your memory and you're sitting there in the kitchen and you're thinking to yourself, huh, I remember going to uh, a basketball match or a football match when I, was a, when I was a child and I can't really remember the details of that event. But if I went upstairs and went um, over to, down the corridor and I went into the, the basketball room as a child's room and I had a look in there, I would see all the memories from that moment. Uh, and maybe I can pick them up and have a look at them and spend more time looking at those, those objects, the part of that, that, whole, that whole scene. I can look at how, what, how it's, what the sounds were, what the things I could see were, what the smells were, and what the people around me were, were doing and uh, how it felt to be there and what I was, the clothes I was wearing. And all these kind of memories will come flooding back as soon as I start really focusing on what was actually happening um, at that time in that particular moment. And of course that can even be enhanced because this happened to me yesterday. Um, I went to a, uh, an ex-girlfriend's 50th birthday party on Saturday and um, we had a discussion about how long we'd been going out for when we did go out and it was, it was in the, you know, it was around the year 2000, I think it was just before the year 2000, but I definitely know now, but um, at the time I wasn't quite sure uh, and I wasn't sure how long it was and uh, I, I thought, it, I didn't realise it was more than a year. It turns out, uh, looking back at some records, it actually turns out to be just over two years. Um, so we met in May of 1997 and uh, we broke up in about June of 1999. Um, but I couldn't remember the details at all and I had to go and grab my photographs. So <laughs> for those of you who are too young to remember these things, I actually have a stack of photo albums um, from that time of, of photographs that I took at the time because um, Facebook didn't exist um, uh, basically before 2000. Um, I may have done, but um, it certainly wasn't available in the UK and I, I think I only, I think I actually started in 2001, I think it was. Um, actually, I only joined it in, I think it was 2006 or something like that. Um, but of course now we have these things on Facebook where it says, oh, do you remember this day six, seven years ago or whatever? Um, and of course in real life, that's kind of harder to, uh, uh, to, uh, to have, those, have those kind of memories, on specific days anyway. Um, so I went back through the photographs and I was looking at them and, and as I was looking at them I was going, I don't remember this happening. Um, and I had found a photograph of a girl that I took a photograph of at like one o'clock in the morning, one night after a party in 1999. I have no idea who this woman is. Um, but it's just quite funny that I clearly took a photograph of her, <laughs> but I don't remember it at all. Um, but those photographs and those videos that you can see from the time of those memories can actually enhance your memory of the, of the time. You go, oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh, I'd kind of forgotten about that, but I do remember it. <clears throat> actually, of course, there is this concept of false memories as well. Uh, I think it's called the Mandela effect, um, where you think you remember something, but actually it turns out that wasn't how it was. Uh, the classic one of that is um, uh, Star Wars. Um, if you have not seen Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, then you probably should. And this is a bit of a spoiler alert, so you might want to skip the next two minutes if you've never seen the films uh, but there's a moment in the Empire Strikes Back where uh, Darth Vader says to to, to Luke um, uh, no I am your father um, but of course most people remember that as being Luke I am your father um, but actually when you watch the movie back it does actually say no I am your father so um, uh, it's just kind of a weird thing I think the, the Mandela effect thing comes from something like people thinking that Mandela was let out or died or something before he actually did uh, so he died in prison. I think that people remember that or something. I can't remember what the actual detail is. But there's, there's lots of these kind of things where you, you think you remember things. And I met a girl when, when I was walking across um, the, Camino de Santiago, the Camino in Spain in 2016. I met a German guy and I was talking to him about the, the, when they brought the, the Berlin Wall down. And he was saying to me that the trouble is that he can't remember what are actually his memories and what are 
um, TV programs he saw at the time about the events. So he was so involved in it that he now, when he tries to remember his memories, he can't be sure if the memories that he's remembering are actually just TV programs he saw or whether he was actually there at the event that he's seeing. Um, so as you can see, his, his memory is a bit um, kind of confused and messed up. So the concept with this, this Jesse, Jesse, um, Jesse uh, Elder thing is that you've got a massive great house and all the rooms in the house are all your memories, all your previous memories. And, and you can choose, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, you can choose whether or not you're going to go into those rooms and, and remember those memories um, or not. Um, so obviously the more you go into the room and the more time you spend in there, the less dusty that room will be. You know what it's like if you've got a room in, the, in your house that you haven't been into for absolutely ages and it gets all dusty and they get full of clutter and it gets all kind of you know, messed up. And you, uh, The garage is a classic example of this. Of course, you throw things in the garage or the attic as well. Um, and then one day you go up into the attic or you move house and you start taking these things down. God, I've forgotten I had this and I've forgotten I had this. And, um, so, and, and your memories can be the same. So you can have these little rooms in the house which you can uh, forget about. You can always close the door and just forget about it. Um, and you're the only person who's got the keys to those, to those memories, really. And obviously you can ask people uh, who were there at the time uh, what their memories were because they've got their own separate versions of, of those memories in their house. So they have their own house and they've got their own little room that they can go to and they can visit. And those are the things that they saw and they remembered from, from that time. Because don't forget that we're, we're all looking at the world through our own eyes and our own senses. And some people see things and hear things differently to other people. Um, so that's, that's, that's always something to be borne in mind. You're, if you're looking through your eyes, you don't always see exactly the same version of the scene than the other person. So even if you were sitting next to each other in that, in that, um, that basketball court, as I was kind of suggesting before, um, <clears throat> one of you might be able to see one of the players on the court behind, or might be able to see, one, say, one of the cheerleaders or something like that, um, standing behind a post. Um, but the other person who you're sitting next to in the, in the court may not have been able to see that cheerleader. So, for example, I mean, it's a silly example, I suppose, but um, you might have seen one of the pretty cheerleaders picking their nose uh, in a corner just behind the post. But the person sitting next to you didn't see it because the post was in the way. They couldn't see it. So you've got a memory of that cheerleader picking their nose. <laughs> Fairly grim, grim example, but you know what I mean. Um, but the person sitting next to you doesn't have that memory at all. So that memory is in your house, but it's not in, in, your, in the room in your house, but it's not in the room in their house. Um, but as I was saying, so if you think about this, these rooms as, as, as memories and places you can go to and you can visit and you can revisit, and the more time you spend in there and in that room and you pick up the objects and you polish them, imagine um, like bits of, bits of, uh, bits of silver um, uh, ornaments and things that you have to polish with silver polish and if you just left them, they just get uh, tarnished over time. Uh, and eventually, actually, if you left that room for long enough, it would eventually start to decay and disappear. And then you, when you went back in there again, some of the things you might have been able to remember actually don't really exist anymore. Um, paper would be an example of that. I guess over time, uh, over the time of our lifetimes, paper wouldn't degrade that much. But um, uh, a flower, for example, you had a flower in the room and you remembered that, then you, know, you went back 20 years later, there wouldn't be a flower there anymore. Uh, or an apple, certainly an apple would, uh, you know, there might be a core, there might be some evidence that there was an apple there uh, originally. Um, but you wouldn't actually be able to see the apple anymore because it would, over time, it would decay. Um, and our memories are much the same. So over time, our memories do decay and we do forget things. And uh, obviously I had a very stark example of that when I was um, looking through photographs from, uh, from 1999, seeing things that I just don't remember at all, um, even though they clearly did happen because I clearly had the camera in my hand and I took the photograph. Um, uh, 
so anyway, there you go. Uh, interesting on that one though, there was a wedding that um, I have a whole bunch of photographs for. Well, actually, I don't think I was at that wedding. I actually think I lent my camera to somebody else and they took the photographs of the wedding. Um, so it's an interesting kind of concept, a sort of side issue on that one as well. So you have this room and you have all these rooms where, sorry, you have this house and you have all these rooms which are all your memories and you can choose to either go in the room or not go in the room. And obviously if you've got some bad memories, the more you focus and you go into those rooms and polish the, the, the silver and look at the pictures and organize things and keep things nice and neat and tidy and dust everything, then the more you're gonna be able to remember the things that are in that room. But the less you go into the room and the less you think about the bad memories, for example, the more dust will, will, will build up on those things and, and things will start to decay and the silver will tarnish and those memories will start to fade and die if you spend less time thinking about them. <clears throat> so that's a really useful thing if you've got bad memories or bad, um, bad things from the past that you, you don't want to focus on anymore or bad experiences from the past. You had a bad business that went bad. If you keep telling people about the business that went bad, you're going to be focusing on it all the time. It's going to bring you down. It's going to start creating this, this uh, depression in your life. I know people who who spend way, way too much time thinking about things that have happened in their past, mulling over things that have happened. Um, uh, what do they call it? He called it, um, um, oh, I don't remember what the, what the word was, but anyway, thinking over things in the past, I'm sure it'll pop in my head in a minute, <coughs> and it's not so good. Now, the interesting thing about that, and the way you can push that forward, um, as kind of Jesse was saying, was into the future. So you also have a whole bunch of rooms in your, in your big house that is your future, it's your future self. And we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago about when I was talking about uh, Kyle Cease talking about his um, Kyle Ego exercise where he takes himself into the future and then imagines and then t tells a friend about what's just happened over the last six months and how he got to where he got to in, in six months' time. Um, so the same thing can happen in this imaginary house that we have, a house of our memories, um, that's what Jesse kind of prompted in my head, um, where <clears throat> you have these empty rooms that have got nothing in them at all. And that's your future but you can if you want to go into those rooms and you can place your furniture where you want to put them and you can put the ornaments where you want them and you can write uh, documents about about the future and where it's going to go and, and you can leave those things in the room the problem about the future rooms of course is that other people have keys to those rooms so there are other people that can go in there and mess about with stuff um, and then that's obviously when you then enter that room at some point in the future other people have changed things and things aren't quite how you expect them to be um, but that's where you have to be mentally strong to um, to be in charge of your reactions to the things that are going to happen in the future. And obviously, that's very valid to our, our memories as we're moving forward as well. So um, I'm about to walk out of this park and go down and then walk around down the road. I don't know what's going to happen. I can imagine that I'm going to walk and have the same kind of conversation, not conversation, um, um, experience walking down the roads and on the way home as I would normally have. But let's just say there was a big car accident out there and then suddenly my whole planned walk home suddenly becomes something entirely different or um, actually what happens if a car accident happens in front of me and somebody gets knocked over and then suddenly I've got to become a witness to that thing um, and suddenly my whole day gets knocked out um, but it's all about how I react to that thing so other people have keys to these rooms in your house your future rooms in your house um, <clears throat> or actually there's no locks on the doors and that's probably a better analogy really you don't have locks on those doors yet because you haven't you haven't fixed um, the, the experience that happened in that room yet whereas your all your old experiences you have the ability to lock the door and, and take the key with you and um, because you you know <coughs> what happened in those rooms but in these future rooms uh, other people have the ability to go in there and mess around and and and, and stop you uh, having things exactly how you expected them to but and here's the key and this is where things get really interesting about this analogy is the more you fix the things in that room and place them and make them look neat and tidy, 
the less chance there is of somebody else going in there and messing around with your stuff. So if you can imagine like a show home or something like that, if you've ever been to, in fact, if you haven't been, go and, go and, have, go and find somewhere where they're building new houses and go and have a look at the show home um, that, they've, that they've created. Um, it's well worth doing it because you, know, you see you know, professional people making a house look beautiful, making it really enticing. Um, and they don't mind you going in and having a look around because obviously they're trying to sell you a house and they don't know that you're not going to buy the house. So just go in and have a look around. And what you'll see is they've got an immaculate house all laid out perfectly and ornaments in the right places. They've got uh, chairs and tables and, and flowers and all this kind of stuff all in the right places. And if you went around that, that show home, you wouldn't really think of messing things around and knocking things over or moving the table or anything like that because it's all been set out. But if you went into a completely blank house where there wasn't any furniture, you could start imagining where you're going to put your, your tables and your chairs and, and, and this kind of stuff. Um, uh, or if somebody had just put like a, um, a, a, a mug, a coffee mug, um, on, a, on a sideboard in a, in a half-finished house, um, it, you wouldn't think twice about maybe picking that up and taking it to the kitchen and putting it in the sink, for example. Um, or a, you know, a, a paint bucket sitting there, you might move it to the side of the room to, to make it look tidy. But if somebody has set out this room perfectly and there's a paint bucket in the middle of the room, you, think, you might think to yourself, I wonder why that's there. Maybe that's um, there deliberately. If you go to an art exhibition, it's the same sort of thing. You remember, you must have heard these stories when uh, somebody's left a coffee cup on top of a plinth that didn't have anything on it, and people have then started looking at the coffee cup and thinking it was a piece of work of art. And they started um, envisaging why the coffee cup is there and what the, the, the reason behind the coffee cup is and how well it's been put together. And then some builder guy comes along, just picks up his cup of coffee and, and walks off. And you go, what, 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 isn't that piece of artwork? And it's like, no, no, it wasn't artwork at all. It was just a coffee cup that was there. Um, but all those people who are watching the coffee wouldn't have thought about just picking the cup of coffee and walking off with it because it's a piece of art. Somebody has put it there deliberately. Um, and if you think of your future rooms as these rooms that you can put stuff in as deliberately as you want and you can fill it with as much colour and imagination as you like. Uh, you can visualise yourself in that room and how it's going to be perfect and everything. And the more you visualise it, the more strong you make that vision of your future, that room in your future, the, the less likelihood there is of somebody else coming around and messing up your, house, your, your life. So this is about one of those real kind of cool concepts that, that Jesse's now got inside my head now. And I love this idea. Obviously, I'm going to teach it at every workshop I have in the future, and I'll have to reference back to the fact that I got this idea from Jesse, um, even though I didn't believe in his original uh, concept of time being complete illusion. Um, although, if you remember, a couple of episodes ago, we did talk about whether or not reality is just a hallucination that we all agree on. Um, slightly different twist on that, but along the same sort of lines in that everything is happening inside our heads anyway. So when we look out of our eyes, we're only seeing one version of the world around us, the one that, that we're interpreting. Um, uh, and actually that ties in with everything we've just been talking about in, in this concept as well. So um, I just love that idea um, of having these rooms in the past that we can visit or not visit. Um, and the ones that we don't want to visit will get, or the ones that we don't visit rather, um, will get dusty and decayed and uh, eventually will start to, to fall down into dust uh, and we can choose to enter those rooms or not enter those rooms we can choose to polish the silver in those rooms and spend time telling people about those experiences and then re remembering those remem remembering those memories and if you want to remember those memories that's great that's a good thing to do but if you don't want to remember those memories or you don't want to focus on the bad stuff don't do it don't go back there. don't tell people the stories about the bad stuff that happened in your life um, if you don't want to remember it <clears throat> and then obviously we can build our future so we can imagine how our future in the, is going to be in the in in the future how our future is going to be in the future, um, how that room is going to be in our future uh, and, and place everything perfectly uh, around us so that we can really see how our future is going to be and then there's less chance that anybody else is going to mess around with our future 
um, if we really fix in, in our heads <coughs> what, what it's going to be like. Okay, the analogy falls down a little bit, but you get the idea, uh, hopefully, from uh, everything I've just said. And uh, hopefully that was a really useful and uh, interesting um, uh, podcast this week. Uh, I certainly found it very interesting, and I'm glad that I filled the time uh, to stop and record it. Um, so I'm uh, 24 minutes in. That's about perfect, isn't it? About half an hour. That's uh, about right for, for most of my podcasts, I think, <laughs> in a slightly rambly way. Uh, as always, um, come and join us on Facebook. Uh, for, um, findyourfire.co.uk forward slash Facebook group uh, and come and have a chat in there uh, about the podcast um, about anything you want in future episodes let me know about anybody you think I, I could interview or, or should interview for future podcasts um, I know I've got a couple of people lined up who I've spoken to in the past about um, coming on the podcast in particular um, uh, uh, somebody who was um, Miss Gloucester um, Tamsin Granger, who's currently doing a, a radio show at her university. So I'm looking forward to speaking to her at some point and bringing her on the show. And there's a few other people who I'd love to interview as well, um, who are having the pipeline, who I'd, I'd like to think about, who have struggled with these types of things in the past as well. So anyway, if you've got any ideas and you've got any suggestions as to who I could interview, then uh, let me know. So from next week, um, we'll be doing the first of my 15 pillars. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's coming next week. Um, you're the little voices inside your head is the first one uh, and then we talk about um, I can't remember whether it's gratitude next or meditation next or breathing one of those three uh, is the next three of those uh, and then uh, routines is the fifth one um, I break down those those first five as being sort of evening things to do in the evening so I kind of break down my five in stuff you do in the evening stuff you do in the morning stuff you do in, during the day um, I actually use them as a reset uh, method for if I'm ever struggling so I had a, a nervous breakdown in August of last year, 2017, and I used uh, my 15 pillars to get myself back on my feet again. And that was the point at which I realised that I loved doing this sort of stuff, and this is where I wanted to, my life to go, and this is how and how I wanted to help other people in the future. So that's what I'm now doing. Um, so thanks for listening, and uh, look forward to catching up with you next week when we will talk about those voices inside your head. Um, take care of yourselves and um, keep smiling. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. I am, of course, John V. Denley, your mental fitness mentor, helping you find your fire by avoiding the negatives and staying focused on the positives. You can find me as John V. Denley on any social media platform, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for John V. Denley. That's J-O-H-N-V-D-E-N-L-E-Y. Until next time, remember to focus on the positives and keep smiling.